Welcome everyone back to another episode of BYOB, the healthcare podcast. It's a little humbling to say that this is episode 19. Can you believe that, Joe? No, it's pretty crazy. You know, it's our second to last episode of the season. You know, we're going to be working on uh, getting a second season going, but it's pretty wild. We've made it through uh, 19 episodes, so it's really exciting. It's exciting. It's humbling. Can't thank our guests, our sponsors, our advisors, our mentors. Just everyone and anyone who's been a part of the process. We really appreciate it. So this week, we're speaking with Derek Simmons, who is an incredible leader in healthcare. Uh, Just a great, great friend. Just one of the best people I've ever met. Uh, Derek is currently a consultant at Rock Health. There, he supports healthcare, life sciences, and tech clients to develop digital health strategies. Prior to Rock Health, he was a transformation consultant at an integrated health system where he advised senior executives on digital health strategy, entrepreneurial partnerships, and new ventures. Derek earned his MHA from Cornell University. He was a Sloaney with us at school, and he earned his bachelor's in management and organizational behavior from Brigham Young University. Before completing his academic training, he worked as a healthcare venture capital associate, researcher, and consultant. And he also spent two years on a volunteer mission in Romania and Moldova. We'll learn a little bit more about that when he talks about his favorite drink at the end of the episode. And we're really excited for the conversation. I think everyone would really enjoy it. And maybe before we do that, would love to just catch up with my fellow co-hosts here on the podcast. Joe, how are things in California? I really need to get back out there. I'm missing some good California wine, whether it's Napa or Sonoma. I think I'm going to have to pay you a visit pretty soon. Yeah, definitely. You definitely have, will have to come through. My sister actually was in Napa and Sonoma this past weekend, so she had uh, her and her husband had a great time. So made me really think about you know the next time that I'll head up. Uh, but I've been good. Just I've uh, seen family recently. It was my my grandmother's ninetieth birthday. So wow. Went out to uh, Dominican Republic to to go celebrate for a couple of days. So. Feliz cumpleaños, abuelita. Yeah. So um, really exciting, but otherwise things, things are pretty good. No complaints, you know, it's getting warmer, longer days. So that's pretty sweet. How about for you, Freddie? Yeah. Uh, resonate on the, the warm temperatures here. We're uh, having averages in the mid eighties, high eighties. So it's definitely Florida weather coming into uh, early summer here. Uh, things are really busy at work, which is always good. And I've got a big announcement for our listeners. Uh, we welcomed our first new baby into the family. It's not mine. Uh, but I am a first-time uncle, so a uh, huge shout-out to my sister. Congratulations to her, and uh, we're really happy about, you know, how healthy the baby boy is and, and her doing really well, so uh, really excited and, and happy to be an uncle. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Is it? Uh, what's the baby's name? Angel Matias. Angel Matias. Okay. Yeah, so baby Maddie. Okay, that'll be cool. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, we're all really excited. I got to get up to Chicago so I can see him. I'm first time uncle, going to be a second time uncle because uh, with my sister. So there's all exciting things. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, it definitely puts things in perspective, which is always good in our busy and hectic lives these days. As, as I think about this episode, Joe, and how we go into this conversation, digital health is one of those topics that we've come in and out of on this podcast. And I think one of the great things about this space is that it touches so many other areas of healthcare. Whether it's myself on the provider space or you on the payer side, 
There is a lot going on within digital health and each day that topic grows. So I'd, I'd love to get your opinions and your thoughts on not just what the conversation that we had with Derek and how it plays into a lot of these topics, but how our industry continues to grow and where it no longer feels like digital health is a sector or even a niche. It really is starting to feel like digital health is healthcare. And, you know, I'd be happy to have that conversation with anyone who wants to have a lively debate. That is something that hits on payers, it hits on providers, and then the members who, who are kind of in the middle, right? So I think it's really finding the right service for the member for where they are. So making sure it's the right resource, whether that's like an in-person activity or something that can be done via digital health or through some health tech solution. And it's really meeting people where they are. Um, at the end of the day uh, is the big thing. And I think COVID has, has kind of borne out that um, there's a lot of things that health tech digital health can do. So um, it's just exciting. And I think it's, it's no longer a channel by which we seek solutions. It's no longer a channel by which we test products. You know, I, I think about within my organization as new projects, new ventures, new strategies come up, uh, it is the foundation by which we build. So I, I'm really excited and probably most for the new people coming into the industry who get to see this incredible, and I won't even call it a fragmentation anymore because I think what we're doing is we're rebuilding the puzzle pieces or the Lego pieces to what healthcare should be. And I see this all over LinkedIn every day, right? It's people are putting in their taglines, building healthcare, how it should be, rebuilding it the way it should be. And I hope that we continue to keep that fervor and really that motivation for people all across the industry, because there are a lot of incumbents and disruptors who are trying to align on the same thing. And there's a lot of new entrants who are historical technology companies, and Derek speaks to this in the episode, who wanna enter the space every single day, but don't have the historical knowledge that we carry as part of the industry. So as much as possible, finding that right balance between collaboration, competition, and co-creation of a new world in which we can all exist in, drive better outcomes for patients, increase accessibility to services while reducing cost, I'm all for it. And I don't care who's on the other side of the table as long as we're all working towards the same ends. Yeah, I think with that, it's, it's a great segue into our conversation with Derek. Yeah, so here it goes. Welcome everyone back to another episode of BYOB, the healthcare podcast. We're incredibly excited today to welcome uh, someone who's doing some really great stuff in the digital health space of healthcare. Uh, someone that both Nakin, Joseph, and I know incredibly well and someone I'm, I'm happy to call a friend. With us today, we have Derek Simmons, who is a consultant at Rock Health. Uh, Derek, thank you for joining us. We'd love to learn a little bit about yourself and your healthcare background. Yeah, thrilled to be here. For me, it began like I think it does for most of us as a like a patient and a caregiver. I was the oldest child, uh, still am, I guess. Haven't replaced me as far as I know. But my youngest brother spent years in and out of hospitals and specialty clinics for epileptic seizures. And so my siblings and I were raised with this kind of front row view of this like never ending demand of, of caregiving. 
and the brokenness and complexity of the U.S. healthcare system, kind of like up close and personal, right? Also, to be fair, like we we got to witness the like rare magic of patient family centered care every once in a while, but these kind of foundational experiences sparked a lot of my like healthcare interests today. Um, and I quickly learned that there were obviously clinical gaps to our fam family's questions, but those clinical gaps were magnified by like a whole host of administrative and coordination and management and leadership challenges. And so with growing interest in that group of organization level challenges, studied business in undergrad, undergrad school for the MHA, uh, quickly realized that the like traditional hospital internship fellowship path wasn't the right fit for me. And so had a chance to intern with a venture capital firm at a, with a portfolio of 60-ish health tech companies, and then joined SSM Health as a consultant on their transformation team focused on partnerships with startups and learned that I loved that intersection of like startup and enterprise strategy because those two groups of organizations do not speak the same language, but we need them to. Uh, we need them to be able to understand each other if we want real creative solutions to be adopted at scale. And so that kind of realization of, hey, the bridge between startup land and the world of enterprises, uh, that's an incredibly important and exciting uh, like kind of bridge. That's what led me to pursue it at Rock Health. And we work with enterprise clients on digital health strategies. So we help them navigate what's happening in the startup ecosystem and the health tech market, help them identify where they should play, who could be potential targets for partnership or acquisition. And then we help them craft de novo strategy as well that kind of bridges those two worlds. So uh, it's it's been a gift. Really enjoy the team, clients and projects all focused on digital health, which is kind of a, a, a great feeling to be uh, part of, of the Rock Health crew. That's perfect, Derek. Appreciate your background. And uh, I think your background is one that many people will find uh, interest in. I know as we look at things at my organization, but even when I was going through the fellowship uh, recruitment process, there are so many institutions that are now looking at venture, looking at the exposure and the expansion of digital health and how, as well stated it, those both come together is really important. Uh, Derek, can you share with the audience where you did your internship? Uh, because I think, you know, it's a really interesting working within two different companies there, but uh, I think it might be a good conversation for uh, the audience to hear, especially with so many of our listeners who really are thinking about uh, either pursuing an MHA or are in that process now and will be going into their internships here this this upcoming summer. Yeah, I, I would say, and this is maybe going off the uh, the beaten path here for just a second. I would encourage, especially MHA students, to explore paths beyond the like hospital ops internship route. And so, if if that's an interest of yours, and so I was fortunate to land at a company called Jumpstart Foundry, which is a seed stage venture capital firm focused primarily on health tech, uh, some health services, and so this is like as early as you can possibly get. In, in terms of like entrepreneurial life cycle. So we're talking about companies that aren't even really companies yet. It's pretty much an idea on a napkin. Maybe they've got like a basic MVP or prototype, a couple of founders, um, not much of a team. And 
uh, it was a credible, incredible experience for a few reasons. One, working with entrepreneurs is just like invigorating, right? Like they think they can take on the whole world and they're uh, making real steps toward at least making a dent. And two, you got to see the gap that I was talking about earlier about how they see the world versus how a large enterprise views the world. And that kind of like sense of dissonance was fascinating. But when it did work, like when we were able to make introductions or land pilots for some of the portfolio companies at these large organizations, that was, that's like where the magic happened, right? When you, when you got teams across the table, very different priorities, but they aligned on a specific solution that that's hopefully patient centered, that, that was just incredible to watch. And then third, it broadened my view of what, uh, at least my definition of possibilities within the healthcare space, right? Healthcare is massive. We know it, we don't need to cite GDP percentages, but, uh, and technology is massive, but the intersection between those two fields is growing and exciting. And for me, it was, uh, a light bulb moment. It's like, that's, that's where I want to play. That's where I hope to contribute and, and make a small mark during, uh, my career is that, that kind of bridge between, between healthcare and then technology. And Derek, I do want to call out, um, you know, when we were in grad school and we were all up in Ithaca, we had many conversations about what is the right path? Is there a perfect path? What path makes me look better? Uh, and your credit, you consistently, you know, we're curious about what are the opportunities that allow us to be not even marketable, but allow us to really figure out what are the next phases of healthcare that will have the highest levels of interest and how do we as students and potentially leaders one day really charge in that space. So I, I want to give you a lot of credit. And I think I would encourage you know students who are listening to us to think about what are the spaces that you can play in and even safely or, or not safely, maybe take some risks that would allow you to you know gain favor and be able to learn on the job uh, at a quicker speed. Uh, maybe in a similar fashion as Derek did. Yeah, and I think that that opportunity that you had as an intern really drove your decision making in terms of going into your next role. Can you talk about that next role and how you kind of built off, you know, what you learned from that internship opportunity? Definitely. Yeah. So post graduation, landed at SSM Health, and you may or may not be familiar, but nonprofit health system based in the Midwest. You've got 20 plus hospitals, a health plan, you've got a transparent PBM, but what sets them apart is their leadership team is incredibly focused on external partnerships. And so they were a founding member of Civica RX, the generic drug manufacturer and Graphite Health, which is kind of a unified digital health and interoperability platform. And, and the leadership team was proactive and deliberate about the partnerships that they sought out, especially with startups. And so our team specifically was tasked with developing strategy and non-traditional partnerships, as well as identifying where we could invest our corporate venture capital dollars. And so uh, the summer experience tied in really well for the types of questions that we were asked to uh, answer in, in that first role after the MHA. And, um, and then lastly, I said, like the other bucket that we were asked to explore is how could we change the way that we were paid or reimbursed, right? As we tried to transition 
more of the, the business toward value. And, and I loved being on the flip side of the table, right? So at Jumpstart, I was on team entrepreneur and wore that hat. And at SSM, I got to wear the hat of the, the technology buyer, right? And so when we got to understand what, what a large organization is looking for and why they struggle to move quickly, right? Or with the same agility that a, a, an early stage company might be able to and what types of problems matter most and where their budgets are allocated and how the executive level conversations work and how consensus decision-making happens right in a hundred plus year old, slow moving integrated system. Uh, but it, it, was, it was incredible to get that viewpoint to understand that if we want real solutions to be adopted by these larger players, here are the boxes that need to be checked. Um, and then had a chance to, to learn from just phenomenal leaders. Um, Laura Kaiser, Carter Dredge, who's an alum of our, our program, Grady Brimley, others, Matt Clausen, who just, uh, they got like part and head of healthcare, right? And what I mean by that is they are focused on people, their own teams and patients. And then they also just are incredibly bright and, and powerful leaders. So it was great personal, interpersonal and, and professional training in that first job. And now today, you know, with that, all of that great experience and looking at both sides, now today you're at Rock Health. Um, can you talk about Rock Health and how they're different from a traditional kind of venture capital or private equity firm? Love it. Yeah, that's, that is the question. Rock Health is different for a few compelling reasons. And it really comes down to organizational design, I think. Uh, so Rock Health has a few different businesses. We've got an advisory business, which is where consulting sits, as well as our memberships offering. So like enterprises across life sciences, healthcare organizations, AMCs, payers, and tech and retail companies that are interested in digital health, all kind of uh, come to that advisory services door. The second door is our nonprofit organization. And that entity is focused exclusively on promoting health equity on uh, ensuring that our mission as a team and as an organization is focused on making sure that healthcare is accessible and that greater humanity is brought to healthcare specifically within the digital health space. And so they do a lot of convening, a lot of events, uh, and then our research team publishes a lot on, on what's happening in the space to support entrepreneurs and incumbents. And then the third arm, which is where it all started with Rock Health, is the venture fund. And Rock Health invests also at a pretty early stage, seed to Series A. And so these are relatively new upcoming companies in the digital health space. We focus exclusively on the intersection between health and tech. So uh, that's kind of the bread and butter. But I think the combination of those organizations all within the same umbrella is what what makes it so special so i think the thesis is we understand that healthcare needs to change and we believe that in order for that to happen there needs to be an influx of new businesses new technologies new solutions and one great tool to catalyze that kind of grassroots level innovation is through a venture fund the common theme though uh, as we've been discussing nothing's going to change at scale without incumbent 
enterprises embracing these novel innovations, solutions, and new approaches that are created. And so one way to facilitate that enterprise evolution is through advisory services. And then lastly, like healthcare will change in the way that it needs to for patients, uh, especially if a system's designed to work for some people and not others, right? It's tough to improve the system equitably for profit. And so our nonprofit arm allows us to focus on that issue without getting paid for it. And that's the tool that we use to further that mission. And so this kind of like complementary flywheel or platform is designed to, to hopefully make some transformational dents in the system from multiple angles using the appropriate tool or organizational design to accomplish uh, necessary steps toward, toward uh, fulfilling what we see as, as a really important mission. Derek, one of the things that I've heard you say a lot about in this interview is how Rock Health hopes to bring the incumbents into the conversation and really bridge the gap between what is new and novel and that which has uh, been in the process for a while and actually allows the industry to move forward. How does Rock Health compare more or less to a consulting firm or more or less like a traditional venture capital firm? And where on the spectrum would an institution or a company like Rock Health be from Y Combinator to Deloitte Consulting? Oh, that's such a great question. Uh, so the short answer is like, we definitely play in both buckets, right? The venture team, just to give you, maybe it's helpful in terms of like scale or size. Venture team is relatively small. Um, our investments are relatively small. So we've got a principal who runs a lot of, runs point on a lot of things. And we've got our CEO, um, Bill Evans, who's also the head of, of the venture team. Consulting is relatively new. And so we uh, sit in the advisory services business, um, started about two years ago when Sari Kaganoff was uh, convinced to leave McKinsey and start this new practice from scratch. And so uh, a few of us joined shortly thereafter. And the way that we separate ourselves from like Deloitte Consulting is that we just do digital health and we just do strategy. And uh, that might sound like simple on, on paper, but what it means in practice is that a Deloitte will take a problem uh, around like product development and they've got a full team to build out that product, right? Uh, so they can help implement a change. They can help build from scratch like those are problems that we won't tackle as a firm. We focus exclusively on kind of the build by partner decisions on creating at a high level, right? An organizational strategy for how a company wants to play in the digital health space. We help them understand what's going on in the market trends uh, and then, you know, where things are headed so that they can prepare accordingly. So we, we just sit in the digital health bucket and just in the digital or and just in the strategy bucket. Whereas, you know, Deloitte's going to play across multiple industries, multiple phases of the idea or product development or project uh, implementation, right? So like both pre and post where we would play. Um, and then in terms of Y Combinator, Rock Health did start out as an accelerator. Um, we've transitioned away from that model to just be the kind of C to series A fund. But, uh, but those are great 
kind of like bookends, right? Of the we're we're not an accelerator as one like Y Combinator, but we're pretty early, and then we're not as broad as a Deloitte because of the the specialized focus that we have in terms of industry and then also project type. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that description, Derek. Because I think you know, for those of us that are in this space and and really love to be on websites like CB Insights and PitchBook, we know this inside and out. But I think when I was in grad school, I didn't understand this, you know, even to the 10th that I do now, and I'm still learning every day. So the more that we can hear from those in the industry, the better it is. I'd be interested to hear from you. You know, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on at Rock Health. Uh, you've kind of given us the portfolio of services that are provided, and it looks like you guys have a lot of growth coming on. Can you talk a little bit about what's happening for Rock Health as it pertains to the outlook for maybe the next three to five years? Man, in, in one word, it's just growth. So I, I joined as number, thir- like number three or four in terms of external hires on the consulting team. And we've basically tripled since, which I know, given the, the like starting point, isn't that significant. But percentage-wise, like we're growing incredibly quickly. And it's not just the consulting team. We've seen a lot of new hires recently join memberships. We've added chief of staff roles to both the nonprofit organization as well as advisory services. Uh, we've, we're hiring operations managers and building out the team across the board. And I think it's because a few of those pieces that I outlined are all starting to kind of click at once. And we're starting to see complementarities across our business lines. And so to give an example, like a a member, right? Someone who subscribes to our data and gets, uh, like tailored market scans and a few other, uh, you know, benefits as part of being a a member will often say, hey, you know what, in addition to these menu of services that are built in the contract, I also have these ad hoc higher level strategic needs. And I'm already working with you guys, right? Like it makes sense to continue partnering in this more customized way. And so they'll often, you know, jump over from memberships to also include consulting services. And then our like venture team is constantly uh, giving us insights on the latest and greatest deal flow of startups that are operating like at the ground level, right? And so the insights that we're able to provide members and consulting clients is like, this is cutting edge because we just talked to this startup last week, right? And we have a database of every digital health company that's raised money over $2 million in the US since 2011, right? And so these like different assets, I think are starting to blend really well. And that's causing an exciting growth opportunity that's, that's opening a lot of doors for, for new team members. I can definitely attest to that, Derek, that, you know, when you engage with many different types of external services, consulting services, whether it be for market insights, for consulting, there are a few companies that are able to provide what is both new and novel, yet also provide you advisory and provide you consulting services. And then for you guys on the venture side, it creates a really uh, unique value proposition. How does someone who is interested in what Rock Health is offering, uh, you know, many of the things that you've spoken to today, uh, how can they get on the outlook for Rock Health? And if they want to get an internship or potentially even a, a full-time role, what are the avenues that they can follow? 
Yeah, that's an awesome question. And uh, I'll try to be thoughtful in, in the answer. I'd say, so broadly, digital health first, and then we can kind of funnel down to rock health specifically. I think step one, if I can use a consulting framework, right? Like step one is to map the landscape, at least as best you can. And usually that means like secondary research, right? So like reading the Rock Health Weekly, shameless plug, like health tech nerds, out of pocket, uh, CB Insights and others are really great outlets to get a sense for which innovations, which companies, which kind of sub industries or problems or questions excite you most. Uh, so I begin with like a secondary scan and then follow that up quickly with primary research, right? And so interviewing folks who work in places that you think you'd like to end up in, right? Uh, most people, or at least many people respond to cold emails or LinkedIn messages when you're just asking for advice and not selling something, right? And then third, again, this applying to more of innovation landscape within healthcare broadly. Uh, just want to reiterate the point, like, don't be afraid to go off the paved road. And especially for MHA students, I think we're programmed a bit to kind of put guardrails on career paths, at least early on. Um, and this is easy with hindsight bias, right? I, I remember feeling terrified after saying no to a couple provider ops or strategy internships in the hopes that I could find something a bit more entrepreneurial. Like it is a risk, as you mentioned earlier, but I think the risk can pay off if you know what you want to do, or at least you know what you don't want to do. And like sometimes that's enough to get you to the next step. And so broadly for innovation roles, I think that's how I would approach it. Um, in terms of Rock Health specific, uh, our consulting team is going through a, a, a massive hiring wave right now. We have never had an intern, uh, but we do have fellowship programs for our research team, for our venture team. And it's a great way for students to do kind of a part-time role uh, to help put things together for actual clients or for actual potential investments. Um, and that's a, a great way to get your foot in the door. So I would keep an eye out for the fellowship applications and uh, again, those are not formal summer internships, but they're kind of as you're going to school, working part-time on, uh, on some really exciting digital health product projects. Thanks, Derek. I guess taking a step back, what do you think are some of the big challenges in healthcare that tech companies are best suited to solve? The right answer, I think, is, or at least a caveat, is that tech is not going to solve healthcare, right? Like some people believe that, and most of those people don't work in healthcare. Uh, but I think tech can make it far better than it is today. And so the generic answer, if I can start there, and then maybe give a, a more specific one, is I think tech companies have a role to play across the quadruple aim. Right. They're not going to replace providers in most cases, but there's a role for technology to play in population health using predictive analytics for early disease identification or for flagging kind of like intelligent care pathways. There's an opportunity for clinical decision support and administrative 
kind of automation of workflows to improve provider experience. I think on, in terms of cost, we've got solutions that are entering the market focused on like robotic process automation or conversational AI or using augmentation tools for mid-level providers or PCPs to reduce costs and, and take on tasks that would typically only be reserved for specialists. And then there's just like basic patient experience, you know, 1.0, like there's a need for technology to help uh, improve coordination and care planning and caregiver involvement and secure data exchange and, uh, you know, automating things like follow-up and uh, other things like that that improve patient experience and quality outcomes. So if, if that's not like a long enough list of buzzwords, uh, two specific examples and, and hopefully simpler and a little bit more tangible. I'd say one, healthcare is still terrible at the bookends of patient experience, uh, meaning like patient intake, scheduling, provider matching when you're first trying to find care. Lots of point solutions and like some emerging platforms that I'm excited about in this space, but it's also terrible at the post-encounter part of the journey, right? So like referrals, payments, transitions, patient-provider communication, like healthcare is bad at both, like both of those bookends. And so digital front door type solutions have received a lot of attention lately, but I think there's still a lot of opportunity there. The second like specific example I'd point to is that technology is amazing at creating and aggregating new data sources. And so devices are being launched that can passively monitor or measure or predict our mental health, right? Our physical health risk, wherever we are in the world. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of promise for this concept of like a digital twin, which is like a data generated copy of who we are on kind of like a biopsychosocial level. And bringing that full picture of who a patient is into our health conversations and care delivery, um, that's just fascinating to me. So like take Amazon, for example, if you use all of Amazon's capabilities at full, full capacity, like they can track your health with like Halo, your purchasing habits, what you like to watch, your vocal biomarkers, either in clinic, in hospitals, as well as at home with Alexa. They could support clinical trial patient data collection with Alexa. They've got Amazon Care. They've obviously got their pharmacy solutions and like a hundred other things. And they're not a pure tech company, but their technological infrastructure is what enables them to do all of those things and collate, aggregate all of that rich diversity of data into a more integrated view than health organization ever had, right? And so... Those are some themes that I'm really excited to watch. Derek, in the same vein, I do have to ask you because, you know, I work for a large incumbent in healthcare and, and Joe works for a, a large payer in healthcare. What is it that the large incumbents need to be able to speed up? And, and what are the, the areas in which, you know, these large institutional players, both in healthcare and, and in the payer side of healthcare, need to be able to do to really allow full innovation and disruption to kind of move into this space. You know, very proud of what my company does, but I think we can still do more and we have a responsibility to do more. Um, but I'd be interested to hear from, from you and, and your end as you engage with multiple companies kind of across the landscape. 
That's, that is the question. And uh, I, if I had a perfect answer, um, I would share it gladly, but I, I'll, I'll try to frame it in a couple different ways that are hopefully helpful. So I would say one thing that large organizations can do is that they can approach the table, the conversation with a startup with uh, an added measure of empathy, right? Understanding that like I may not fully grasp the technological complexity or this business model or why this founding team wants to do it this way, but I can at least appreciate that they're coming from a different world, at least in terms of how business gets done. And I can try to be like patient with their growth, understanding that they're not gonna be able to jump through all the hoops that I would like them to day one. Um, I would say also like willingness to get out of the death by pilot like life cycle. A lot of large, large organizations, especially providers, will test things for a year and then drop. Um, and it's important to test and iterate. I, I don't want to discount that, but but often solutions that could be adopted at scale die before they have a real chance within a system. So those are like some practical things. But I think maybe more broadly than that is and your organizations are incredible examples of this, right? Like there are avenues that incumbents can take to become better acquainted with what's going on in the startup world. And both, again, of, of the organizations where you work are like poster children of doing this really well, right? So one, one way that it manifests and one trend that we're seeing is like provider organizations in particular are leading the way in corporate venture capital investments, right? And that's not a perfect solution for everything, but it does align incentives often for if it's if it's used in a strategic way with some of these startup partners. And given the hiccups that can happen as you try to integrate a small startup into a large system, the equity kind of aligns incentives. And so we saw like from 2020 to 2021, uh, a huge jump in corporate venture capital across the board, but especially uh, in provider organizations. And so they, they were the top in terms of category and that's across payers, digital health, other digital health companies, traditional tech, biopharma, med device, pharmacies, everybody else, providers were leading the way in terms of numbers of investments. And I think part of that is sparked by COVID, right? Um, and understanding that like, yeah, we need to adopt telehealth and make sure that we've got that infrastructure in place. But there are a lot of other things that we should be involved in to make sure that patients after they leave our four walls are still taken care of. And so I think we saw that realization happening. So in addition to vendor relationships or strategic partnerships, I think in some cases when it's done appropriately, uh, corporate venture capital can be kind of an alignment mechanism for those two parties. I'm going to take a quick second here and talk about our partners over at MGMA. More specifically, I want to talk about their upcoming MPE financial conference in Atlanta, March 31st through April 2nd. As you guys know, we love MGMA's Medical Practice Excellence conference series, but this one is specifically tailored to finance. So if you want to advance your financial career or 
the financial side of medical practices interests you, this is the premier conference for networking and education. Not to mention that Atlanta is one of the best cities in the country with the rich culture and great food. Think of it as a weekend getaway where you can make valuable connections and learn more about the industry. As an added bonus, your registration includes complimentary registration to MPE Pathways DX, the digital experience in June. Learn more about the conference and check out the schedule. Head over to mgma.com forward slash BYOB dash TFC and register today. We want to thank Derek again for jumping onto the podcast. Uh, Derek's just one of those guys that every time we get the opportunity to connect with him, talk to him, and hear more about him, I just feel like I've left with a gift. Um, we definitely encourage everyone to follow Rock Health, uh, follow a lot of the things that they're doing. Uh, really interesting company, as you heard from Derek, that combines a suite of services and an organization that is moving rapidly in a changing environment. So a lot of fun and exciting things going on there. I truly enjoyed hearing from him on where the convergence is between them coming in within a company, helping them make the right decisions as it relates to their digital strategies, and trying to find that middle ground uh, that we spoke to earlier about where can they advise, where can they provide input, where can they learn from the clients that they're interacting with, and how do they build a better product as they go from client to client. I think there's got to be so much more of that where there's a, a symbiosis and a continuous feedback loop of the product that goes out, be implemented by the client, bring brought back to the consulting firm and then have that just great, great exchange of knowledge and ideas. So kudos to Derek and appreciate Rock Health for all they're doing in the industry. What did you think, Joe? Yeah, I thought it was a great conversation, Derek. It's just so amazing. And people talk a lot about tech and sometimes, you know, there's not as much heart in it. And when you see people like Derek work in the industry and really be at the nexus of technology and traditional providers, it, it's something that's really heartening um, to see someone who really is trying to change the system for better, you know, pulling from that personal experience. I think, you know, it's, as, as he said, you know, health tech, digital health is going to continue to grow. And in that, there's going to lie a lot of opportunities. Um, I'm just really excited to see, you know, where things go, whether that's, you know, a rock health <laughs> company or another portfolio company or, or seeing, you know, as he talked about with Amazon, these large tech companies. Um, and this is, and I, I saw an article a couple of weeks ago that, you know, the folks in, in Arkansas who own Walmart are trying to open up their own healthcare system. So, you know, there could be some cool, innovative things that come out from there. So there, there's tons of things happening and digital health will be a driver in it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just Walmart, it's not just Benton, Arkansas. There's quite a few of those large incumbents in tech, retail, all across uh, different sectors who, you know, are trying to, I won't, I won't use the word converge in a healthcare, but get an understanding and become a larger player in how people make decisions. Uh, and I think healthcare continues to be that last place where there is still some uh, darkness or um, not a complete understanding of where people go, why they go, 
who they choose to see and what the results are as we see in so many other industries. So again, just a huge plug to so many people out there who have the ability, have the willingness to just continue to fight the good fight uh, and seek solutions in ways in which we don't see them today and, and don't exist quite yet. Uh, thanks so much. And want to thank all of our listeners again um, and those who supported the podcast from the beginning through its development. Uh, we have one more episode left, which is crazy for the season, but we're working to bring you a second season. So make sure to subscribe and follow and send your comments in. You know, we would love to hear any topics uh, for the next season. So thank you so much. What is your drink of choice, um, alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Oh, drum roll, please. Uh, man, this is really tough, but I think in the US we have boring juices, and I hope that doesn't offend anyone, but it's true. Like you got your apple, your orange, maybe cranberry if you're like living on the edge. But in, uh, in Romania, they have these amazing nectar juices that are like halfway between a juice and a smoothie. Uh, and there's a bunch of flavors. Pear and kiwi are some of my favorites. It's like maybe more than a meal than a drink, but it comes in liquid form. So I think it counts. Uh, so like kiwi nectar juice is probably what I'd have to say. Let's take a minute here to talk about our sponsor, MGMA. We've already talked about their two upcoming in-person conferences a bit, but we know that not everyone is ready for in-person events yet. The leaders at MGMA see that too, so they are returning their highly successful MPE Pathways digital experience from last year. MPE Pathways is an excellent alternative to MGMA's in-person events as it includes sessions from the Financial Conference and Operations Conference, as well as unique content that can be enjoyed from the comfort of your home or office. Even if you aren't comfortable attending an in-person conference, it's still important to network and catch up on the latest healthcare management trends. So I highly recommend Pathways as an alternative. Head to mgma.com forward slash BYOB dash pathways to learn more about this innovative conference and register today.